And Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Just checking, where are you? There you are. I'm back. I'm back. It's good to have you back. Greet one another in the chat and please give us some thumbs up and do subscribe to the ministry channel. Remember, we do have Passover coming up the weekend of April 3rd, I believe. Go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and scroll down to the biblical feast. You can look at the calendar there. It's a downloadable calendar. And please um, make plans to come out and visit with the brethren. Visit with the brethren. And that is the weekend of the 3rd. And check the calendar and we'll get um, an Eventbrite up there shortly for you to be able to sign up. And please do consider donating to Torah to the Tribes and supporting the ministry. And thank you all of you that do. It is truly, truly appreciated. We are in Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew gospel, and we are in chapter 43 today. So let's dive right in to the 43rd chapter, Isaiah, the fifth Hebrew gospel. I'm going to have a little fun today, breaking down some Hebrew words, getting into some of the letters, because I was plonking around with the um, paleo dictionary on my computer this week and just kind of got into a little, uh, got a bit wiggy with it. So, you know, bear with me. I was having some fun with myself and the language. So we'll dive right into chapter 43. You ready? You ready? You ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. But now this says Yahweh that created you, O Yaakov, Jacob, and he that formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. That's how the 43rd chapter opens up. Isaiah is making a powerful declaration. And we were just taught, I love how things, um, they just unite and you get different people bringing forth testimonies. And we just had a time of sharing before we went live. And the theme that we're all talking about is just going to continue. Because Isaiah here is declaring Yahweh's faithfulness. Yahweh's redemption to his people and that his people are Israel and they are all coming together, his chosen people, Israel, and they hear his name. They hear his call. They hear his voice. But this says Yahweh who created you, O Yaakov and he that formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. That's an assurance of your and my destiny. Now, the word redeemed in the Hebrew, we spoke about it last week, ga'al, gimel, aleph, lamed, means to ransom, to rescue, and it's Yahweh's long-term plan on behalf of Israel. He is what? Going to rescue us. That's his long-term plan. Even though you may go through hills and valleys, and oftentimes it feels more like valleys, there's a long game. Yahweh's into the long game, and the long game is always Israel. Just go to the book of Revelation in the seventh chapter, and there they are, the calling of the tribes on the sea of glass, right? That's what's going to happen. So even in the letters here, Gimel, Aleph, Lamed, this picture's a foot, Gimel, leading Aleph to a shepherd's staff, Lamed. So we've got the foot, leading to a shepherd's staff. What is that? That's our walk. That's our call from the nations. The redemption that the good shepherd is going to bring, leading and protecting his flock. He's going to guide you out of the chaos of this world. And when you pass through the Mayim, verse 2, I will be with you and through the rivers and they shall not overtake you. 
Those chaotic waters, they're not going to overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall flame kindle upon you. So in verse 2, it's building, it's building. Isaiah shows Yahweh's presence. Yahweh's protection, it is always with us, even amidst life's various trials. Life's various trials. Now, the Hebrew word for with, it, with you, translated into the English with you, is the Hebrew word imacha, imacha, and it's spelt ein mem kaf sofit. That's the kaf, the long kaf, it goes below the line. And it shows not just proximity, but intimacy. Yahweh is not just near us in proximity. He is near us is in intimacy, friendship, companionship. Yahweh actually wants to accompany you. That's all he wants. He wants to accompany you in your life. Will you allow him to accompany you? He wants to walk. He wants, just like he wanted to every day, he wanted to accompany Adam and Eve until they chose that they were going to walk on their own path. That's all he's ever wanted from Israel. That's all he's ever wanted from his people. It's a very simple story. Come back into the house. Follow the rules of the house. Sit at the master's table and eat the food that the master brings to the table. And no, he's not going to be bringing a pig to the table. Simple things like that. Follow the rules of the house if you're going to live in the master's house. And you will be a free man, free indeed. Yahweh actually accompanies us, his people, through each and every trial. I'm not alone in my pain. And you're not alone in your pain. He accompanies you. The, the letters right here, Ein Mem Kaf, depict an eye, a seeing eye, Ein. Watching over what? Watching over what? The chaos, the Mem, the chaotic waters, and guiding the Kaf, revealing Yahweh's watchful care. Verse 3, for I am Yahweh your Elohim, the Kadosh one of Israel, your Savior. I gave Mitzrayim for your ransom and Ethiopia and Seva for you. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honorable and I have loved you. Therefore will I give men for you and people for your Chaim, for your life. Now, so here... Oh, do you feel that? Oh, is that what it is? It's a train. I'm like, oh, it's a Pacific Northwest earthquake. Finally, those tectonic plates are shift. It's a train. Okay. I thought it was my phone. I'm like, no, it's not my phone. Oh, it's the end of the world. No, <laughs> it's a bloody train. All right. Anyway, back on track. So where were we? Where were we, Matthew? Verse 3. Okay, thank you. So right here, we see that Yahweh, as, as the text is building in verse 3, Yahweh is reaffirming his sovereignty. His sovereignty as a role, a specific role, and the role is Israel's saviour. This is before John. This is before the book of Matthew. This is not some New Testament greasy grace idea. Oh, my Lord and Savior. No, this is a Torah mechanism that is now being employed by the prophets. Let's be very clear. Yahuwah has always been the Savior, and he's always been the Savior of the Roman Catholic Church. No, he's always been the Savior of Israel. A multi-ethnic group taken out of slavery that comes to the mountain and has a great recognition of, duh, let's keep the commandments and follow our Elohim. But it didn't last more than 30 days before they got down into some Roman Catholic pagan tradition. All right, it wasn't Roman Catholic, but it was pretty similar, right? Gold, calves, idol worship, and fornication. Can we say no more? The pagan... Nations seduce Israel. 
That's the story. And Yahweh brings the prophets to call them back. And the pagan nations seduce Israel. And Yahweh brings the prophets to call them back because he's seeking for that which was lost. And he wants you to find him just as he wants to find you. And wherever he finds you, he will love you even if you're in the midst of the miry clay and the chaos. So Yahweh has always been Israel's savior. The term, of course, we know it. Moshiach, translated as Messiah. Mem, Vav, Shin, Yod, Ayin, Kaf, Hey. Moshiach. It forms an image of waves, the Mem, Vav, representing what? Chaos. Danger. Being calmed by the Shin and directed by the Yod, that's Yah's hand, and then you've got the Kaf Hay symbolizing his power to bring order out of your chaotic life. Amen. It's all right there in Moshiach. Mem, Vav, Shin, Yod, Ayin, Kaf Hay. Pretty cool. Now look at verse 4. Verse 4 speaks to the incomparable value Yahuwah brings on his people. The Hebrew word here is yekah. Precious, not as in my precious, but precious. <laughs> Where, what movie was that? Come on, you know. Where did I? What? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Okay. See, see, Disney. I tell you, it gets into your brain. Do you realize? Somebody told me this. Don't know if it's true, but I believe Disney is actually now the one that owns the Thomas Nelson Publishing. So the NIV is actually now published by um, Disney. Fact check that. I mean, you could Snopes me. Not that we, we know Snopes is a bunch of rubbish, right? But tell me if that's right or wrong. Put that in the chat. Do some research. Don't, but don't, don't lose track of me here. But uh, somebody spoke to me about that earlier in the week. Wouldn't surprise me. Disney, you know, in the NIV, the nearly inspired version. Nearly inspired version. Verse 4. We are looking at the Hebrew word precious, yekar, yekar, and it reveals something of great worth. We got the Hebrew letters here, yod, kof, resh, yekar, and this forms a picture of a hand, the yod, lifting up the kof, a person, you and me, the resh, symbolizing Yahweh lifting up and honoring his beloved people, Israel. It's all right there. Look at verse 5. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your zirah, your seed from the east, and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, keep them not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even each one that is called by my name. For I have created him for my tifereth, for my glory. I have formed him, yes, I have made him. Verse 8. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled among whom can declare this and show these former things? Let them bring forth their witness that they must and may be justified. Or let them hear and say, it is emet. It is true. This is reassurance. This is Yahweh's reassurance of his continual presence. And it continues throughout the chapter with the restoration of his scattered people, Israel. So the Hebrew word for um, with us, with you, excuse me, imcha, which I told you about earlier, the preceding verse, it shows that there's a close proximity and a support to us, but it's more about intimacy. Now the letters, ayin, mem, kaf, we've got the ayin, depicting an eye, we've got the mem, as in guiding, and then we've got the calf, again, showing Yahuwah's watchful guidance and protection over our lives. It's pretty powerful and inspiring. In fact, in the book of John, we'll go there, 
chapter 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal chayim, life, and they will never perish. And no one, no one, and no one means no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's reassuring. Now, what about in Romans chapter 8, verse 38? You've got a corresponding portion there. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, no depression, no anxiety, no fear from these propaganda merchants, none of that will be able to separate us from the love of Yah, because love casts out fear. So therefore, those little satanic devil worshippers are going to try and be putting as much fear on us, as much fear on us as possible, and they're using social media and the propaganda news to do it, right? They're using healthcare. They're using everything. They're using banking. They're using everything. They're using everything in their power to what? Put fear. Let's just open the borders up. It's going to really spook. Yeah, it's kind of frightening, you know. You've got 10 million people cruising over, you know, and they're not. <laughs> but no, we have, got to, we have got to put on love to cast out that fear so that we can still be mindful people. Mindful. Not mindless idiots, but mindful people. Because look at verse 10. We've got a job to do. You are my witnesses. You better have your head straight on. You better be full of the love of Messiah so that you can cast out that fear and you can speak power into chaos and you can calm the storm and walk on water. Right? You are my witnesses. We've got a job to do, says Yahweh. Even my Eved, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am, I am he. Listen, here's the, here's the kicker. Before me there was no El formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am Yahweh, and beside me there is no Savior. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Now this one, this is really a hard one for the traditional church. So they obfuscate. Let's, let's kick that one under, sweep that one under the rug, shall we? Because this is a hard one for the traditional Roman church. So they do obfuscate. But the Bible is extremely explicit here. There was never any other El or deity brought forth before or after the Father Yahuwah. It's all in him. There wasn't some savior that came later that's a new deity with a new set of rules. Now we can all go to Rome. Nope, we got some new Jesus. And he's got some new deal. Sounds like FDR, and we know how that worked, didn't we? Right? I don't like new deals. I like the old deal. I like the old deal, the Constitution, and I like the older deal than that, called the Torah. Can we just go back to the old deal? How about you keep your stinking new deal? Okay? You can stinking well keep your Roman new deal, and you know what I'm saying? All right. I like the old deal. The creating of a Yahusha is the New Deal. Because it would absolutely contradict this theological declaration here. If the biblical reality is Yahusha always was in the Father Yahuwah, since he could not be created after Yahuwah. Are we clear on that? This is what Rav Shaliak Shaul explicitly delivers to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 24. Because they thought he, this was some new God with some new rules and we could do some new things. 
And we could tie it into some astral worship and all kinds of pagan wonderful things, which is what Jesus is. It's a new God with a new set of commandments. It's the new deal. That will offend some people. But the saviour that they are portraying is the new deal. But there is no new deal. It's always been. The saviour has always been in Yahweh the Father. Now here's some fabulous notes, and I, I highly recommend the Restoration True Name Edition Scriptures. Breaks down this Hebrew phrase. Etem adai nim Yahweh ve avdi asher bachati. In the Hebrew, this phrase means there are actually two witnesses. His bride Israel and the Lamb who testify that Yahweh is one. We, Israel, are to testify that Yahweh is an Echad plurality. Shema Israel, Yahweh, Echad. And the Lamb, I am my father, are three and a half. Is that what he said? I and my father are Romans. No, I and my father are an Echad plurality. I and my father are one. So the son, the lamb, and Israel are to be the two witnesses to the father's Echad plurality. The church has failed. And that is a basic, basic believing doctrine of Israel. They're not Israel, brethren. That's hard. I know this is hard, but I'm being hard. Because we don't have time to be sugarcoating this and sweep. It's been swept under the rug for too long. If you are Israel, then you must be a witness, along with the Lamb, to Yahweh's Echad plurality. The oneness doctrine is found in the Shema. It is the old deal. It's Torah. And the old is always better than the new. Amen. Let me tell you that. There are two witnesses, his bride Israel and the Lamb, who testify that Yahuwah is one and that he has not formed a different El before or after him, thus ending the myth that Yahushua the Messiah is some sort of a created being like Michael the Archangel, which would mean Yahweh formed Yahushua after Yahweh already was, which would be a violation of the text. Sorry, Jehovah Witnesses. Sorry, Mormons. You're morons. <laughs> so there are two witnesses to his one compound unity status, the Lamb and Israel. Great teaching on this. We had some brethren talking about it today, is truth or trinity. So you can go over there to um, Odyssey. Thank you. It's backed up on Odyssey. It's also on the YouTube, truth and trinity, several years old, two or three parts. But that really breaks down what we're talking about now, which is our job as witnesses to be. We're not witnesses to paganism. We are witnesses to the compound unity of Yahuwah. And it's the most important foundational doctrine of the faith because there are many people on both sides of the aisle that get into Torah and then they deny Yahushua, heaven forbid, and go into rabbinic Judaism. And then on the other side of the aisle, there's a bunch of Trinitarians uh, making Jesus out to be some new God. And he is a new God in Trinitarian thought. But the compound unity of the Echad plurality is our witness. That's a lot. Of, right? But we got it out. You see, you're in danger. You are in spitting, spitting. Um, <laughs> distance. Thank you. Thank you. So we are one of the two witnesses. Think about that. We are one of the two witnesses, Israel and the Lamb. Oh, some of you can go off on that now in Revelation. Get back to me. Did anyone put anything up in the chat about whether um, Walt Disney was actually um, 
partaking in the Thomas Nelson publishing. Anyone get back on that? Anyway, see? all right, let's still get to work on that. So there are two witnesses to his one compound unity status. And there his, you see, I think what's happened is because I, I'm not close to the computer now, I feel like a little bit more free. And I think it's coming out with a little bit of saltiness. I feel like I've been liberated, set free from captivity. So there are two witnesses to his one compound unity status, the Lamb and Israel. They're his eternal collective bride, the people of Israel and the chosen suffering servant Lamb, Messiah Yahushua. Both testify to the fact that he is and always will be one, an Echad plurality. Verse 11, the double repetitive first person, I, even I, in the Hebrew, ani, ani, I, even I, ani, ani, shows that Yahusha is not some afterthought. He's not some new deal. He wasn't formed after Yahuwah. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. He was not created after Yahuwah. But he is one of the two eternal anis. He is one of the two eternal anis, the eyes spoken of in this verse. Otherwise, you're worshipping another god. And that's pagan Roman religion. It's a broad road. And most people are on it. This is pretty simple when we break it down, isn't it? But it shows you how far we have gone astray as a people. As a people, Israel. Both father and son are both called Messiah, Savior. Not saviors, plural. Both father and son are called Moshiach. If only Father Yahweh is Savior, then the term would read Ani. It wouldn't read Ani, Ani. He is and always will be one, a true compound unity. That's a lot right there. Truth and Trinity unpacks it even more. Verse 12. And I have declared and saved, and I have shown when there was no gear, no stranger among you, therefore, you are my witnesses, says Yahuwah, that I am El. Yes, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Verse 14. This says Yahweh, your Redeemer, the Kadosh one of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babel, Babylon, and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans who cry in their ships. Verse 15 I am Yahweh, your Kadosh one, the creator of Israel, your Melech, your king. This says Yahweh, who makes a derek away in the sea and a derek away in the mighty waters, Mayim, who brings forth the Merkava, the chariots, and horse and army and the power. Am I having microphone problems here? Can you put it on for a while? It might be my clothing. Can you put it up on the chat if you're having um, audio issues? Maybe it's just me. All right, I'll carry on. Where was I? Verse 17, who brings forth the Merkava and the horse, the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched like the wicked. Verse 18, remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. So Isaiah right here, is exhorting us to let go of the, the past and embrace Yahweh's new work. He's doing a new work in your life. I mean, the fact that we came out of paganism and all of this nonsense, he's doing a new work in your life. And part of a new work is having a new identity. 
Having a new, if you think you're a kosher pig, you, you'll act like a kosher pig. If you, if, you, if, if you think you're an animal, you'll behave like an animal. So identity, self-belief and identity is huge. When you identify as Israel at the mountain in Exodus 19 and the whole context of that, you start to get a new start. You start to embrace the future instead of the past. Yahuwah, through the prophet Isaiah, is truly exhorting me. He is exhorting you to let go of the past. That's hard, isn't it, sometimes? Especially if you've had a colorful past. And to embrace Yahuwah's new work in your life. The Hebrew word for former things, you may remember it from Genesis, Bereshit, is Rishnot, Rishnot. Rishanot. It points to your past events or experiences that you have allowed to define you. It points to your past events or experiences that you have allowed to define you. Let them go. Let it go. It's okay. You need to forgive yourself too. It's, oh, I forgive you, sister. Oh, I forgive you. Oh, let me pray. But we don't forgive ourselves. Right? It's so, oh, let me pray. I forgive you. As believers, that's important to us. But we forget. We sometimes hard, I, 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 I don't deserve forgiveness. But you do. Oh, you can't. Yes, you do. You do deserve forgiveness in the Savior. Amen. Outside of the Savior, no, you deserve to go to hell. But in the Savior, the Ekad plur, you deserve it. Amen. Because that's the covenant between the pieces, brethren. He walked between the pieces. He walked between the pieces and he said, I will take the punishment for the breach of covenant. I deserve the death. We know that he's the sinless, without blame, Lamb of Yah. But we know that Yahweh walked as a flaming torch, as a burning oven, through the pieces. That if, Israel, you should breach this covenant, then there's going to be a death. It's not you. It is the Savior. Former things. Rishonot. The letters Resh, Aleph, Shin, Vav, Nun, Vav, Tav. You see right here, the, when the, it starts to bring an image. Firstly, the Resh, you form an image of a person, the Resh. Kind of looks like that. Being guided, the Aleph, and transformed. The Shin is like fire, it transforms by Yahweh's hand. The Vav into a new creation. The Nun Vav Tav. This is demonstrating through the word picture of Yahuwah's redemptive arm or his outstretched arm, his ability to bring about renewal and transformation in your life and in my life. But we need to join with Yahuwah. We need to partner with Yahuwah and participate. We need to stop remembering the past. Amen. Your past does not define you. Your past does not define you. Look at verse 19. I have to keep saying that to myself. Because I had a shady past. And then there's chemical pathways and behavioral patterns and things come up. And you've always done that when that comes along. When fear comes along, well, you usually do this. And when anger comes along, when you usually do that. But you have to start to retrain the pathways. Start to stop even on all of those activities in the brain and walk on the new path. Not the old pathway, broad pathways of what used to be. I'm, I'm teaching to myself here. Look at verse 19. See, 
When you have vision, seeing is more than seeing. It's having vision. Once you have vision, then you'll be into the next verse. I will do a new thing. Now you're a new creation. The old man is dead, as the Apostle Paul said. And it shall now, you're going to, now you're starting to see fertilization, abundance and growth. We're going agricultural here. Now it shall bring spring forth. Shall you not know it? Oh, you're going to know it. It's going to be so abundant in your life. I will even make a derrick. I'll make a path even in the wilderness, in those dry desert places where you've been depressed, anxious, anxiety. There was nothing growing in your life. Nothing you touched was being, would flourish. Everything you touched was just like, I wrecked it again. Oh, I wrecked it even in those places. Once you get vision, he will make it spring up in the rivers and in the desert. And he'll make the derrick in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Those deserts will become full of waters and springs. Yahuwah is continually, this shows through the prophet Isaiah, Yahuwah is continually working on renewal and restoration within us. Even if we neglect it, he's continually working on renewal and restoration within us. The Hebrew word for new thing, of course, like Brit Hadashah, Hadashah, a new thing. But it speaks not of some new pagan god. It's speaking about freshness. It's speaking about innovation. In the Hebrew letters, we've got the Chet, the Dalit, the shin and the he. And they form an image of a fence, the chet, dividing the dalet, chaos, the shin, from order, the he, symbolizing Yahweh's ability to bring order out of the chaos of our lives. He's able to do it. He's able to create, once you get the vision, and you join with him, how do you join with him? By identifying as Israel, by identifying that the Torah is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that Yahushua is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, because they're an Echad plurality. He's not some new God with a new set of commandments like three or two. Well, you just love God and the bloke next door. No, that's not it. There's a little bit more, right? And go to church on Sunday and Wednesdays. You don't want to forget that. Right? No. He will bring new beginnings out of our chaotic past. But watch out. There's a beast in the field. No. Look, verse 20, it's good news. The beasts, the beast of the field shall honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I give myim water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. He has a purpose for his people. That's what I get from this. To proclaim praise and to proclaim glory. The Hebrew word yatsar means to form. It's suggesting a deliberate creation and craftsmanship. This isn't haphazard. This is intentional. The letters yod zadi chresh form an image of a hand obviously the yod, shaping the sadi, a person, resh. The hand of Yahweh is shaping you. Amen. The hand of Yahweh is shaping me. It becomes real clear that Yahweh is very specific and very intentional mindfulness, very mindful in his design and molding of his people for a divine purpose in spite of us. In spite of the chaos of our past lives, in spite of maybe the chaos of our present circumstances, press on, mold on, mold on. He's got you because you're Israel. Verse 21, this people have I formed. You can see where Paul got a lot of his words, can't you? potter and the clay this people 
Not the Roman Catholics. No, this people. This is, again, this is the Yaakov Israel. This is Jacob, Joseph, the multicolored coat. This is a people. This is Melchizedek. This is the mountain. We're at Exodus chapter 19 here. Come out of her, my people. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my hallel, my praises. But you have not called upon me, O Yaakov, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. Haven't we? We've all been guilty of it. You have not brought me the small cattle of your burnt offerings. Neither have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with an offering, nor wearied you with incense. You have brought me no sweet cane with money, neither have you filled me with the fat of your... And no, this doesn't mean that you didn't bring him some ganja, okay? There's a whole bunch of you out there. So, oh, sweet cane! No, I'll tell you what happened to cane, okay? That's the only cane that's going to happen if you smoke too much ganja or any ganja. It's going to open the bloody portals in your brain for the devil to come in and deceive you. How do I know? I've been there, I've done that, and I did a lot of it. With a bunch of Bedouins in North Africa. The fact that I got out of there is a miracle. <laughs> but we won't get no. It's not sweet, bloody cane. Good night, Josephine. Do you know how many times people have said, oh, you know how many PDFs I've read on that? Good night. I've done a teaching on that too. Somewhere in the ark. You can get that over on Odyssey. And I tell you, all of these teachings are birthed out of experience. This is not just theology. <laughs> Good grief. Where was I? You have... <laughs> but this is what Bob Marley was all about, you know? Right? Jar Rastafari, ever living. <laughs> I used to listen to a lot of that when I lived in Brixton, too. <laughs> But, you know, that's, of course, highly Selassie. I mean, it's, it's actually fascinating to, to study up on it. It really actually is. In fact, I mean, several years ago, highly Selassie's granddaughter used to listen to us. I don't know if she still does. She might most probably upset her. Anyway, verse 24. You have brought me no sweet cane with money, neither have you filled me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have served me with your sins, and you have wearied me with your iniquities. See, look right here at Israel's failure to seek Yahweh despite his faithfulness. I think of my earlier life, you know, and my, and my present failures. The Hebrew word for weary here is yagata, yagata. And it shows that we may experience sometimes. Man, I'm, I've, how many times have you said it? I am exhausted. I am tired. I'm so fed up with this. That's our present failures. Oftentimes it's our thinking. We may experience exhaustion along the way. We may experience weariness along the way. But we have to overcome it because we are called to be overcomers. Now the letters here... Yod, Gimel, Ayin, Tav, they cast an image of a hand, again the Yod, laboring the Gimel under a heavy burden, the Ayin, Tav, symbolizing our spiritual fatigue. I mean, I can't be like this all the time, up, up, up. Sometimes I'm Mr. Melancholy. I mean, just ask my family. Ooh. Get up out of your leather chair. You're always reading in, in my own world, right? Oh, and then like you, I'm like, oh, I'm going into the book of Job again, doing a deep study. I, I just ordered three books on Job, and I just read Job again. Oh, melancholy Matthew in Job. I always go to Job. What's wrong with me? If I'm manic, I'm in Job. If I'm almost manic, I'm in Jeremiah and Daniel. 
And no, I'm not going back to Revelation. I did Revelation during COVID, and that did a number on all of us, didn't it? That's why you were most probably depressed. <laughs> Good. Oh, what a time, eh? What a time. But we see it here. We need to be overcomers. Gimel, Yod Gimel Ayin Tav, in the Hebrew word here, to be weary is Yagatah. But Yahweh is saying that, hey, you may experience spiritual fatigue. You may even sometimes experience a lack of desire for Yahweh's presence. Heaven forbid, at various times in our life, this can creep in. Right? When you're not praying as much, you're not in the word as much, you're not being as devout as you should be. We've all done it. This is called fatigue, brethren. It's called weariness. It's natural, but we need to be mindful of it to deal with it and then change through our identity. Verse 25. I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for you. He doesn't do it for you. He doesn't do it for me. Thank goodness. It's for his, something bigger than me. Praise Yah. That's what sold me on Yahushua all those years ago. Something bigger than me. Because I was sick and tired of me being the biggest thing in my life. What a narcissistic, oh, my wife will love that. There's that word, right? We're all narcissists, by the way, at least to a small degree. It's called selfishness, right? It's called, you know, oh, whoop, there's a cliff. I don't want to fall off of it. Self-preservation, a little bit of it's okay. A little bit. I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. He does it for his name, and I will not remember your sins. In another place, he says, I'll cast them over my back. Oh, that is powerful. That's the blessed hope. That's our faith. That's the blessed hope. Yahweh's forgiveness and rachamin, his mercy, his grace, his hesed towards his people. The Hebrew word for blots out is makah. It shows a wiping away or erasing. The Hebrew letters mem, chet, hey in makah, blots out, form an image of waves, the mem, crashing against the chet, a wall, the hey. Waves crashing against a wall, symbolizing Yahweh's complete eradication and restoration of his people. Eradication of their sin and restoration of his people. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to live in this life if it wasn't for Yahushua and our faith. I mean, what, what, what hope would you have? This is the blessed hope. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Mashiach, that is the Echad plurality of the Savior of the Father and the Lamb, the Father and the Son witnessed by Israel and the Lamb, he is a what? A brand new creation. The old has passed. Stop looking back. The old has passed away. You are not defined by your past. Behold, the new has come. It's come into your life now. You have now opened up the ability to be redeemed. But you've got to forgive yourself. You're not defined by your past. You have a whole blessed hope and a future. Verse 26, remember me. And now it's time for us to reason together. Let us reason together about mishpat, judgment. Plead with me, oh, Father, plead with me that you may be justified just as if you had never sinned. Your Abba has sinned and your advocates have transgressed against me. Therefore, I have profaned the rulers of the Kadosh place and have given Yaakov 
Jacob to the curse and Israel to a scorn. Chapter 43, verses 25, connected with chapter 43, verses 18, can really teach us a lot about overcoming our past. About overcoming our past, embracing forgiveness, and moving forward in faith. Moving forward in power. Four things. Four things. Number one, verse 18. Forget the past. Let it go, man. It's a tough one for me. Forget the past. Forget the former things. Matthew, stop going back to the stinking thinking. The old ways of behavior don't dwell on the past. At some point, it's time to let go of your past failures. The sins and setbacks, and to focus on the present moment and build a future vision for your life. Number one. Number two, I mean, really, you've got to think about... I mean, I have to think. It's a battle for me, being honest. I've got to, it's a battle for me to redirect my thoughts away from my past mistakes, redirect my thoughts away from my past towards hope. I can get all melancholy, which is selfishness, isn't it? Man, what a selfish son of a gun. This is really Yahweh through the prophet Isaiah is trying to get us to foster a mindset of growth. Our past does not define our future. I mean, I'm rambling on about this because I've, I've got to say it to myself. This is like a self-motivational tool right here. Number two. Verse 25, accept forgiveness. Number two, accept forgiveness. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for your own sake, for my own sake, excuse me, for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. You have to believe you are worthy of forgiveness. You are worthy of redemption. Regardless of your past mistakes and actions in the Savior, in Yahushua and Yahushua alone, the I, even I am He, the Ani, Ani, you are worthy of forgiveness. In Him, all things exist. A bit of self-compassion and self-forgiveness wouldn't go amiss. Okay? Be a bit more Be compassionate on yourself. Forgive yourself. Start participating and start practicing gratitude every day. Get up. What are you grateful for? There's so much to be grateful for. Start practicing mindful gratitude. The opportunity Yahweh gives us to start anew each day. That's number two. Number three, embrace a new identity. Number three, embrace a new identity. Verse 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Verse 19, perception is reality. Perception is reality. Time to redefine ourselves based on our hopes and scriptural values rather than our past mistakes. Rather than our past mistakes. Today is the day of salvation, as the writer to the book of, in the book of Hebrews said. Today is the day of salvation. It is a day to set clear goals. It is a day to take the necessary steps which we must take towards creating a future of hope, resilience, and vision in our lives. But we have to be mindful of it. Because otherwise, we just go back to the old ways. The word empowers. 
The word of Yahweh. I love the smell of my Bible. <laughs> smells of marmite, oil, leather. I don't think it smells of Marlboro Reds anymore. But it might have done once upon a time. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> That's a nice smell, isn't it? But the word empowers and the Ruach is Yahweh's agent to remind us that we have the ability to shape our future and overcome the obstacles in our walk. And the fourth one, because I did say four, was seek and support accountability. Seek and support accountability. Verse 16. But I am Yahweh your Elohim who stirs up stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. Yahweh is his name. Number four, seek and support, seek support, excuse me, and accountability. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up in your life and seek support from trusted friends or spiritual mentors. I can't emphasize enough the importance of surrounding ourselves with people better than ourselves. Positive influences. Start cultivating a supportive community. I mean, here at Torah to the Tribes, we've got the men's group, we've got the women's group. You need to go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. The men's group. The testimony. I'm, I'm, I met a, a brother at Sukkot this year who went through some really difficult times. And the men's group... They, they were his community, the women's group, the Shabbat fellowship group. We need to come and be around people that support us and uplift us and motivate us and help us get the vision. I believe that's what the Sabbaths and the feasts and festivals are meant for. Amen. A time for us to come together as Israel. Today, let go of past regrets. Embrace forgiveness and acceptance. Acceptance. So this chapter now finishes up with a theme of redemption and forgiveness, intertwined with the themes of justice, it's equitable justice, and mercy. There's a Hebrew word here, it's translated as you remind. You remind. Zakarta. Zakarta, and it's the act of recalling something. You remind, Zakarta, the act of recalling or bringing to remembrance. It's highlighting the importance of acknowledging our sins before Yahuwah. The next word is the Hebrew word chatzadik, chatzadik, meaning you acquitted. Or you justified. You can hear zadik as in the word. Hatzadik, hatzadik. You justified. Now this word speaks to the divine attribute of equitable justice. Where Yahweh justifies and he declares righteous those who repent and turn to him. The next phrase is translated as, you are the master of my sins. Very interesting phrase. You are the master of my sins. You can hear it in the Hebrew. Atal Baal Chatai. Atal Baal Chatai. You are the master of my sins. It takes us to the level of Yahweh's sovereignty. Sovereignty over sin and his ability to forgive and cleanse wherever we may be when we repent. Wherever we may be when we repent. He's bigger than us. Amen. Now look at the counterpart in John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, and all means all, 
unrighteousness. So Yahweh's justice and mercy in forgiving sins when we acknowledge them before him. And Romans chapter 3 verse 23 is also the counterpart to this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of Yah. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Moshiach. <sighs> Yahusha, Savior, compound unity. Oh, I'm so glad he's not some Roman god. Greasy grace and all that nonsense. I'm like, man, how come every time I'm here every Sunday and I'm still hungry and thirsty? And he said you'd never hunger. Man, I just, all right, I, another, another, another sermon. And I'm sure they're going to get on to back then when I was in the church, you know, the TV show that was really popular was Survivor. And they would always bring that into the sermon along with the Oregon Ducks. And I'm like, how does this... I've got to go out in the world this week, and I'm getting hammered, man. My, my old sinful life is chasing me down at every bloody corner, and we're talking about the ducks. I don't even understand football unless you're talking soccer. But, you know, I don't have time for this. I am the devil is the hound from hell. Oh, but you've got the hound from heaven, they would always say. I'm like, so now God's a dog? Is that what you're saying, man? But they would say that at Calvary Chapel because they didn't understand the distinction between clean and unclean, the hound from heaven. Have you ever heard that? You most probably preached it in one of your sermons, didn't you? But you did. I may have done too. Good grief. Just shows you, doesn't it? For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of Yah, and all are just justified freely, Romans 3.23, by his grace through the redemption that came by Mashiach Yahusha. The very fulfillment of Yahuwah's promise of acquittal and justification for those who repent, who put their trust in the Lamb. That's what chapter 43 is to me. It's a, it's a reflection portion to me. If I could title chapter 43 in my Bible, I'm going to do it, A Reflection Portion. That's what I would title it. And I would go back and do that. Piece of, on a pencil. I don't like writing in my Bible in pen. But my vision's not as good. I might Because now I can't read all my notes from 20 years ago. I'm going to need a magnifying glass. I'm like, my goodness. I mean, if you look at some of this stuff, you can't see it. Look at the size of this writing. I can't read that. I mean, that shows you, that's most probably why. All these years, studying with candlelight, with a little lead pencil. Jesus loves me. Yes, he does. Because my pastor just told me so. Most probably. Sorry, guys, sorry. Reflection portion. That's what I would put. Because this portion, chapter 43 reflection portion it's all about the dynamics of confession justification divine forgiveness it brings me this chapter brings me to a deeper appreciation of Yahuwah's mercy his equitable justice and it leads me to what I said we need to practice every day gratitude it leads me to gratitude. I have such an overwhelming sense of gratitude of Yahuwah's redemptive work in my life, even when I get trapped in some chaos. That's all I've got for you. That's all I've got for you. It's chapter 43. It's a message of renewal. It's a message of restoration. It's a message of forgiveness. Yahweh is about a continual work of transformation in your lives. He's not going to give up on you in the lives of his people, Israel, regardless what's thrown at you. 
Even if you stumble into a pocket of chaos, Tamara Nolan, a pocket of chaos out there. My wife can't stand it. when I, That's my theology right there. All oh, there's pockets of chaos. Ooh. And we can get into that. It's in the book of Job. You might come across it. <laughs> Random pockets of chaos. <laughs> anyway. Yahuwah bless you. Subscribe to the channel. Give us some thumbs up. We're backed up over there on Odyssey, so you can go and check things out. A good parallel teaching to this would be truth and trinity. Stay righteous. Put some nice comments down or not. Whatever. You can't give me some thumbs up any thumbs down anymore, so just give us thumbs up. Because, you know, that offended people, didn't it? What a silly world. There's a, oh, you gave me thumbs down. I like the thumbs down. I like to keep my enemies close. <laughs> <laughs> Yah bless you. Shabbat shalom.